What's going on, everyone? This is KJ Kearney, your friendly neighborhood advocate for Black food and Black food vendors. You can find me at Black Food Fridays. I am with my lovely co-host, Anella Malik of Feed the Malik, and you are listening to the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine network. And today is a little bit different than what we normally do. Sometimes we do episodes where the entire episode is a hot take, and sometimes we do episodes where the entire episode is just some, you know, some sweet tea, right? Some some levity. Today we're going to do a little half and half, right? So we're going to start off with a take that some of you may think is hot and some of you may be like, thank God, I'm glad someone's finally talking about it. And then we're going to smooth things out at the end. So let me bring my friend Anella in to get the, the party started, so to speak. Is this my, so it's, it's time for my hot take? It's time for the hot take. All right. So there is a pretty common phenomenon that I've seen among up and coming creators in the digital space. I will say it started on TikTok and I saw it happened on TikTok and then saw people talking about it on TikTok, openly discussing these tactics. And then now I'm starting to see it on Instagram and it drives me crazy. So to encourage people to watch your videos multiple times, um, to comment on them because that drives up engagement and then, you know, more engagement helps it get shown to more people and then it helps you grow, etc. More views, more chances to get followers. That's kind of the vicious cycle. So to do so, I've seen creators deliberately leave out information that they know you'll need to engage with their video. So deliberately not tell you the name of the restaurant or tell you the name, but they'll put it at the very end of the video to encourage you to watch to the end. Or deliberately misspell things in the first part of a caption. Um, and I say deliberately because like this is a tactic that has now been talked about, especially in the TikTok space. And I see people doing it more and more. And I just have to say, my hot take is all that shows me is you care more about going viral than you do about serving your community and that you care more about your account getting 15 more comments than you do about actually helping connect small businesses with communities. And so uh, tells me you're kind of an asshole, TBH. And it drives me crazy because ultimately... While it can be great to go viral, and I say that as someone who has gone viral and has seen how painful that can be, what's going to determine whether you can be successful as a long-term creator, whether you can make money, whether people will spend their money with you, is not whether you can go viral or you can have videos with lots of views. It's whether people feel like they can trust you. It's whether people feel like you're providing them with valuable information. And it's whether your community really feels like it's a community. And if you're playing dirty tricks to drive up comments, guess what? It's clear you don't view that as a community. Silly rabbit tricks are for kids. So let's ask some follow-up questions because I'm sure some people are listening who may not really, who, who consume content on TikTok and Instagram, but they're not necessarily the creators of this content. So my first question is, what's wrong with that, right? Like, if the whole goal of creating content is for people to see your content, then if I don't put my information until the very end, why is that a bad thing? So I would actually say the whole goal of creating content is not just to get people to see it. <laughs> and so this is the disconnect. Because if somebody 
if my if I approached all of my content as the goal is just to get as many people as possible to see it, that's inherently just self-serving and it doesn't have any broader impacts, right? It just means that I want my platform to grow. I want to be famous. I want to go viral. And I think that for a lot of people, that is really their goal. But what they're missing is that what happens if you get famous and you go viral and you're doing all this work, but you haven't built a sustainable community and a sustainable income? Well, you won't be able to maintain it. And in my experience and, you know, in the experience of, of the people that I've worked with as well, like the longevity the being able to build a stable income, it comes not just from people viewing your content. It comes from people viewing your content and then being willing to take action on it. And that's that other step is what we call conversion in this space. And it means that somebody consumes your content and then is willing to purchase something or goes to visit that restaurant or order something on the internet using your code. And conversion happens because you're persuasive, yes, but also because people trust you. And even if you want to work with brands as an influencer, brands don't want to work with someone who can't convert. And sometimes, yes, brands will have a, a goal for a campaign where their primary goal is just to socialize this concept or, or to spread awareness about this program or this platform they're rolling out. But overwhelmingly, when brands partner with influencers and spend money with influencers, it's because they want conversion. They want sales. They want people to use your code. They want to see that you can convert. And if you're just creating content to get views, that doesn't mean anything for whether you can convert. Mm, that's real. So the last couple of weeks, um, I've been using Clubhouse more frequently. Cause I was on clubhouse very heavy for the first couple months. And then I took a little break and now I'm back on it. And so people are hitting me up about growing their platforms, specifically their Instagram platforms. They're like, man, how did you do that so quickly? Um, and what I've come up with is a concept that, you know, maybe we'll get into another time is influencer as a verb versus influencer as a noun. I think too many people focus on influencer as a noun and don't realize that in order to become an influencer as a noun, you have to influence people as a verb. People have to come to your page, see whatever it is you do, and be compelled or, or persuaded to take action, right? So when you come to Black Food Fridays, if I'm doing my job correctly, you're going to be compelled to service or spend your money with a Black-owned business. If you come to Anella's page, you are going to be compelled to think a little bit more about who you're supporting, what restaurants you're going to, why you're going to those restaurants. And, and trust us, brands are bigger brands, multinational brands who are paying for influencer work. They know the difference between the two. They know the difference between, oh, people are really engaging with Anella's content and, oh, she's using tricks and tips, right, <laughs> to, to artificially hike her views. So, you know, Anella, I'm glad you brought this up because this is the thing that I've I've never thought about it. Like I see, I can tell when a video is going to be clickbaity, right? Like, so I like watching sports clips on TikTok and on Instagram, right? And so you'll see the cover photo is Neymar with Goku's hair. And I'm like, there's no way Neymar is really, so you sometimes like, I'll click on it and be like, yo, is is Neymar, does he have Goku hair now? And he does it. Is this a, a clip of Neymar being Neymar? 
But then you look at the views and it's like, oh, this has been seen 372,000 times. I get it, right? Like it's, I don't, but I understand where you're coming from in terms of influencers or people who aspire to be influencers tricking people into viewing the content is not the same as building a relationship so that they will trust that person for future purchases or, or, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that essentially what you're saying? Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and so it can affect your ability to work with brands, but I will also just say it makes it really difficult to build a community and, um, you know, what, what does that mean to have an online community? That's really a community. It means that you can take a week off and not post and not feed the algorithm because you got life stuff going on. But when you come back, people will be excited that you're back because they feel connected to you because they feel like you tell them stories that matter mm. and they can really trust you. That's really um, good. Right. So it, community is like just as important as the conversion part. And when I see people doing these tactics, all it tells me is that they're only interested in serving themselves. And then it makes me as a follower not want to follow them. I can understand that completely. Um, so one last question for you then is, and again, let's pretend that I'm someone who's just consuming content and not someone who's making content. Um, what should I do? Like if I come across accounts that are tricking me into liking their stuff, how can I even be no? Like, how can I even be no? How can I even know? when someone's trying to get one over on me like if i'm just here to swipe and scroll until my next meeting right like how do i know that i'm being for lack of a better term bamboozled into watching content well now you've listened to this episode you know um but here's what I've noticed is that sometimes my friends will complain to me and they'll be like, oh, I hate that this person always puts the name of the restaurant at the very end. And, you know, sometimes I watch it and it's really interesting. But then I get to the restaurant and I realize, like, that's a restaurant group I don't want to support anyway, because I know, you know, how they treat their employees or they've been involved in some scandal. And I'm like, stop following this person, because what they're doing is making it so that it's hard for you to access the information you need to make an informed decision. And I would say this about influencers we follow in general, if they're not giving you as much information as possible about what they're sharing, they're probably not being straightforward with you. And that comes to sharing whether something was free, sharing whether they've been paid for something. Um, if you see an influencer who can post a video every single day, and uh, so that's a huge amount of time and financial investment, but is not clearly marking when things were free or were paid. I would ask a lot of questions because how can they afford to create content like that, especially if it's like restaurant reviews or product reviews or something that involves like a monetary purchase. If they're doing all that and they're not talking to you about it, it's clear that they're lying to you or they have intergenerational wealth. But, you know, well, that's a go. very select portion of the population no you're absolutely right i was talking to aaron from season and bless yesterday and he mentioned the same exact thing that there are people in the space who aren't just being as transparent as they can be right they're making it seem like they're eating at all these restaurants and the implication is that they are spending their own money to do so when he's like i know for a fact that they have business dealings with these other people 
and they're just not disclosing it. You know what I mean? That's so crazy that you're bringing this up today because we did not talk about this before we got on this podcast today. So otherwise, I would have told you, oh, I talked to someone yesterday and they were saying the same thing. But, man, that's that's so crazy. Yeah. So let's just be mindful of that, y'all. Let's not be mindless sheep and just consume for the sake of consuming. Right. You only have a finite amount of time. So if you're going to be on the Internet, let's try. And I'm not here to tell you exactly what to do. But if you can try to find uh, or follow people who are going to be honest and transparent with you, I think we can create a better online environment for everyone. I will bring this up on the flip side because I, for example, like I forgot to disclose that I got um, a free meal from a place and I went back and edited the caption and added a comment and all that stuff. And it was fine, right? Like we all make mistakes. I try to be as transparent as possible. So I bring that up to say I'm not perfect, but why does it matter? Why does transparency in this space matters? I think it matters so that consumers can make informed decisions about spending their own hard earned money, right? <laughs> that like they had to go to work for. I, I value that when someone is like, I spent my money based off of your recommendation. I think that that's like really powerful. But on top of that, when, when influencers don't disclose, when content creators don't disclose, it actually can negatively harm not only consumers, but other people in the space. Here's how. So I always disclose when I got a free meal or definitely, you know, a paid partnership. I try to make it so that like there's no questions about what kind of content you're consuming from me. And I've had people comment and be like, I feel like you, your reviews aren't honest because you got this for free. And then they'll go on to say, you know, other influencers that I follow aren't getting all this stuff for free. So why is your account different? It seems like, and they've said, it seems like you're hitting up small businesses for free stuff to exploit them. And I'm like, wow. oh, honey, the only person being exploited in this situation is you. Because A, I don't hit up small businesses ever for free stuff. If they reach out to me, sometimes I'll say yes. But with Black-owned businesses, I'll just say no. And then I'll go and spend my own money anyway, right? That's my policy. But what it does in contrast to these people who don't disclose or lie, I've seen outright lies, which we'll get into in a second, um, is it makes creators like me who are just trying to be as transparent as possible, it makes us look like we're exploiting the mom and pop shops that like gave us a free ice cream cone, you know, because they're like, well, no one else gets free ice cream cones. So you must be you know, calling them and asking for free stuff. And I'm like, actually, it just means that the people you follow are lying to you. Mm. That's what it means. Um, and then I have to break that to them, like publicly in the comments, that uh, this is an overwhelming practice in the space and businesses reach out to us. And if you're following someone else who is actually an influencer, who posts influencer content, and usually once you cross like the 5,000 follower mark, in, in my experience, that's when businesses really started trying to offer me free stuff. If you're following anyone that's larger than that, like they're just lying to you. Mm. Um, but in contrast, it makes me have these little, you know, tiffs with people on the internet who are like, well, I follow so-and-so and they don't do this. And, I, and I'll know that account and I don't want to like blast people. <laughs> and so I don't even reply sometimes because my reply would be me outing someone else. And yeah. I don't want that drama, but I'm like, eventually I'm going to get tired of it. We don't have that drama. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say one thing about outright lying. So I've been on <laughs> threads with companies where they replied all and didn't put anybody on the BCC. And so I get to see the names of the other people on this email chain. And 
the company's like, okay, here's how we'll process payment for all of you. Thank you so much for your participation. We're so excited. And I'll see the names. And then those same people will post content and it will, the voiceover will be like, I happened to be driving by on my way home from work and decided to stop at this place that's near my house. Mm. Um, and they'll get like a hundred thousand views. And I'm like, they probably made $3,000 from the, the company directly for that post. Like they're just lying. It's not even, that's not even an omission at that point. That is an active lie because they crafted a story in the voiceover. That's not true. Right. Um, and then their followers will come to my page and be like, well, clearly you're exploiting small businesses. And I'm like, I'm going to start eventually like, because your followers are so annoying, I'm gonna have to put you on blast. Mm, that's so real. So you are, you are in these conversations. So this isn't just anecdotal. Like you have receipts. Should you ever decide to pull them? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you I don't want to do that. I don't. No, I got that. you. But like, yeah, it's it's very frustrating um, because. I do think we're in an entirely new space. This is a new field. Like influencers are in the in the way that we see them now, where they're like standalone LLCs. Mm -hmm. This is a very new thing. And so among our communities and among users, there are varying levels of awareness and understanding of how the space works. And in my view, if we want to to normalize being an influencer, if we want to take the stigma out of it, because it's still a very stigmatized word in our culture, uh, that can't happen if we're not honest with people, right? Mm -hmm. If we still out here lying to folks about happening to drive by a place on the way home from work, that kind of stigma is not going to go away. Yeah, man, that's so real. And you know what? Um, I think this is a good spot for us to cleanse our palate a little bit. And we're going to take a break do a little bit of uh, housekeeping via commercial, and then we're gonna come on back. Has it ever been a Friday and you're wondering where you should go get something to eat? Wonder no longer. Visit my Instagram account at Black Food Fridays every day of the week, but especially on Friday to find a Black-owned business that you can connect with and financially support. That is the whole mission of Black Food Fridays, is to get you to engage with Black-owned food vendors and support them, whether you're spending money or you're sharing their content or buying a cookbook or giving somebody some money in their cash app for, for excellent recipe that you found on their website. That's what Black Food Fridays is about. So this Friday and every Friday going forward, if you're wondering on what to eat, wonder no longer. That's why Black Food Fridays is here. And in addition to seeking out Black Food Fridays for all of your Friday and other day food needs, come and hang out with us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash feedthemalik for a thriving food community where you can learn how to make craft cocktails at home, including non-alcoholic versions. If you're in the D.C. area, you can join me for free dinner events, meetups, happy hours, and more. If you're a content creator, we host monthly content creator sessions where I will do live audits of your account, talk about how I negotiate with brands, open up the back end of my business for you so you can see if that's a model you can create for yourself. And we go over topics from the best practices for video to monetization. 
And on top of all of that, even if you're not in the area or you're not a content creator, still come hang out with us. Directly support a Black woman-owned food business. And in addition to those virtual cocktail classes that I mentioned, we also host virtual cooking classes every month. So you will learn from some of the best in the business about how to make a variety of cuisines. And of course, you'll hear from diverse perspectives in the food space throughout that process as well. So join me at patreon.com slash feed the Malik. Welcome back, y'all. I don't know if those voices from the commercials sounded familiar. They should, because it was me and Anella. But we've left the hot topic portion of our conversation, and we're going into the not-so-hot takes. And this may be a hot take, though, because my comments seem to be on fire a little bit. So recently, I posted a reel about my disappointment in chocolate chip cookies that are overly sea salted. I get it. I get it. I get why salt is put on sweet things to balance it out. But I really feel, especially with my educated black women, that this is becoming a bit of a mess. Okay. We need to come up with some guidelines on how much a little bit of salt actually is. We need a unit of measure for a little bit of salt. I am squarely on the I would prefer my chocolate chip cookies to not have salt side of the team. But Anella was explaining before we recorded why salt is become a thing. So let me just give you my theory and then I'm going to let Anella respond. Okay, here's my here's my theory <laughs> about sea salt. Um, I believe that sea salt flakes are to educated black women as Hennessy is to black men. That is to say that if there's a function and there's going to be a bunch of black men around and liquor is being drunk, best believe that Hennessy is going to be at that function. And I feel the same way about educated black women who bake. If educated black women are going to be baking some cookies, best believe they're going to throw some sea salt on there. So I just want y'all to get together, Nella. This is not my conversation to have. I need y'all to get together and figure out a useful unit of measure for a little bit of salt. Because I'm buying cookies out here in these streets and some are lightly salted and it's divine. And some is like, Jesus, I don't want hypertension. I want diabetes. <laughs> Look, KJ, get on the salt train, okay? As I explained <laughs> to him before the episode, salt can enhance other flavors, which is why, especially in seeds, it can be so nice. But I do agree with you, especially when you get a chocolate chip cookie and the top is salted, and they're the large flakes and there are too many of them. It is like a, a direct kind of blast of salt on your first bite, which I think can be overwhelming, which is probably what you're talking about. But salt, let's not be salt haters. I think that um, generally salt can really enhance the flavors of food as well as an acid, right? When you're cooking, something seems off at the end. I'm like, you're probably going to want to add either a little bit of salt or a little bit of an acid and it can pull everything together. But Stop being a hater. I'm not a salt hater, right? Like, I'm from the South, so I like salt on many things, including sweet stuff, right? Like, watermelon is, I think, you know, people were putting mustard on watermelon recently. I kind of get that because the saltiness of the mustard goes good, or that saltiness, rather, goes good on watermelon. There's some other fruits. Like, I've seen people sprinkle a little bit of salt on their cherries. 
right? I've seen people sprinkle a little bit of salt on pineapple. I've never done that, but I get the concept, right? So I'm not a salt hater. I am a hater of so much salt on chocolate chip cookies. Like if I wanted a salted chocolate chip cookie, I'll just take my chocolate chip cookies and dip them in a vat of salt. But I don't want you like it's just that there's I think there's just a miscommunication. Let me just there's a miscommunication amongst the educated black women who bake community on how much a little bit of salt is because a little bit of salt for Anella and a little bit of salt for someone else. They're completely different. And it's ruining my experience, bro. This is a selfish rant. I, I will give you that. No, but I think this is an important take that we don't talk about enough in the food space and not just like the content creator space. Like I think in general, people who like food, who go out for food, who buy food is that everyone's tastes are different. And this is why, um, you know, I try not to describe something as the best on my account. Like I'll get really excited if I really love it. And sometimes I'll slip because I'm just excited about this thing, but I really try not to call something the best because what's the best for me is not going to be the best for you or for someone else. And I find that people, um, and I'm sure this comes from the rise of food influencers, but also from food media and from Yelp and just like all of these things in our lives that cause us to, to feel like we need to review and categorize all of the food we consume, to assign it a rank, to, to give it a score. Um, I think what people forget is that like everyone's tastes are different. And so you're not going to like every chocolate chip cookie and that's okay. And I'm not going to like, you know, every burger I get or every fried chicken sandwich I get and that's okay. And sometimes I'm going to like something and you're not going to like it. And that's also okay. And, and I feel like there is this impetus in our current popular food culture to describe things as being the best or as, as if there's like some universal way to go about something. And I hate to break it to y'all, but there is no universal way to prepare any food. Everyone does it a little bit different. And even chefs, trained chefs in the same kitchen, making the same recipes on different days, it will be slightly different. Mm, you're right. So what I'm hearing is, KJ, grow up. Sometimes a chocolate chip cookie may have a little bit more salt than you like. It doesn't mean that person doesn't know how to cook. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with me for not liking the extreme amount of salt that's on the cookie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just not to your taste. And this is something I've had to condition myself to, to frame this way because like, then I would, I would get all disappointed because I got something and it wasn't exact, exactly what I wanted, but like, that's going to happen all the time and not just in food, right? That's going to happen in everything we consume. And I feel like it's so much less of a frustrating experience if we're just like, it wasn't to my taste and that, that happens. Yes, just like in yoga, where at least the the, pre, the people who are teaching me yoga, they say, if you can't do that move, it's okay to say that's not in my practice, right? It's okay. And we need to do that with food. Uh, I think Jordan of Dubs Grubs, he does a great job of saying that on his account. He's like, look, I review things. That's what I do. But I also understand that my reviews are based on my taste and my experience. So... Yeah, I'm giving this a five star, but that's because based on my palate and what I've experienced in my life, this is a five. Whereas if you grew up on a farm where you killed your own cows and literally smoked your own barbecue, you might have a totally different grade for brisket, right? Than I, 
or Jordan, you know, who was an elementary school teacher for a long time. You know what I mean? So that's a very good point. I think it's also a good thing for us to end on. So everyone, let's be more accepting of our friends' likes or dislikes in the food arena. There are going to be some things that you like, like Anella liking salt on her chocolate chip cookies that I may not care for, but it doesn't mean that either one of us is wrong. And that's what you're going to get every time you listen to an episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast. You're going to get those different perspectives. So Anella, if you don't mind, can you tell the people one more time where they can find us and how they can support us? Absolutely. And folks, I really hoped you like our mid-roll ad that we did for ourselves. This was actually Cage's idea, but it was a challenge because especially me, I'm not used to promoting myself and it's something that I have to get better at. Um, So thank you, KJ, for pushing me and pushing both of us to do that. But this has been another episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. I'm Anella Malik. Yeah, you can find me on the interwebs at Feed the Malik, but really come hang out with me on Patreon. That is my focus over the next year because I find that it's a space that I can control uh, that has far less trolling and negativity and racism and sexism and hatred, but also because in smaller groups, I am much more able to engage with people, to build community, to get to know them. And so you can find that on patreon.com slash feed the Malik and come hang out with KJ as well. KJ is on all the platforms at Black Food Fridays, bringing you black food from around the world, which I think is really cool that your platform covers that much of black food ways, but also bringing you hot takes and not so hot takes. Sometimes KJ's takes I don't agree with, but I will say that KJ is always open to conversation, respectful conversation. And so come hang out with us on the interwebs, get to know us. And until next time, we hope that you were able to take from our offerings and fix yourself a plate. Respectfully. Respectfully.